Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you today. Um, my name is Pastor Justin. I'm the, the lead pastor here at New Life. And we are in a series titled The God I Never Knew. And kind of adopted this title because growing up in, in a specific denomination of the Christian church, I, I, I never, they never really talked too much about the Holy Spirit. Um, I knew what to do with, with God the Father, like he was a big guy, you know, he's, he's the one I prayed to. And then Jesus was his son and died on a cross, made, made a way for me to be able to be saved. And, um, but the Holy Spirit was always this weird kind of nebulous feature, this third person of the Trinity. I didn't quite know what to do with him. Was I supposed to pray to him? Because I always felt like he got left out, you know, when I was praying. I'm like, you know, Father God, Jesus, and and then am I, how am I supposed to interact with, with this thing that we call the Holy Spirit? How am I supposed to relate to, to him? And so this is kind of what the, the, the whole reason why we're going through this whole series is talking about who the person is of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, and if you missed any of our, these past two weeks, I'd highly recommend that you kind of get caught back up with us because we kind of build on them. Uh, week one, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is, that, who the person of the Holy Spirit is. It is a mind, will, emotions, personality. Um, week two, we, we talked about Pentecost and the significance of Pentecost. And I, I, I worked just to kind of bring some understanding about that, that when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter two, that there was a significance that it fell on the feast day of Pentecost. It wasn't just like, hey, wait in an upper room for like a given amount of days until I'm ready and then it'll just, I'll send the Holy Spirit. It was like, if you read in Acts chapter two, verse one, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that's when the Holy Spirit fell. And there's significance in that, in understanding, uh, not just the role of the Holy Spirit, but the, the purpose and why the Holy Spirit um, is, is in our life. And um, this week, I titled the message, Charismatic. <laughs> Um, you don't have any notes because I was bird hunting this week and didn't have a chance to get my notes in. But if you can go to nlc.today, and I think they're on there, and we'll have them up here on the screen. But um, I titled it Charismatic, and it's interesting. Last week I called it Pentecostal. And uh, both of those words, both of those names um, can cause a little bit of like, okay, where are we going here today? Um, for some of you, you're like, man, finally. Pastor Justin's talking about the stuff that really matters, and you're looking for a hanky to wave and um, a banner to, to run with. And so, um, and some of you are like, are the snakes coming? Is it going to get weird? Is this, what are we, you know, what's going on here? Um, and that word, charismatic, can, can cause a little bit of, uh, of jigginess in, in people because in the church, when we use the word charismatic, it's usually associated with charismatic gifts, and, and specifically, the formidable one that has caused so much uproar. The gift of tongues, the gift of tongues, right? That one. Yeah, we're going there today. Um, the one that has caused, in many cases, division, uh, mis misperceptions, misconceptions um, about the Holy Spirit. And depending on your church background, we all come to these charismatic gifts that are listed in the Bible uh, kind of differently from different angles. 
For some of you, you embrace them wholeheartedly. You're like, man, they, the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, like I, I want them, I love them, I'm eagerly desiring them. For some of you, you're a little leery of them. You've seen some weirdness over the years. And you're like, man, I just kind of want to, don't know if I want to get too close to them. For some of you, you're a bit scared. You know, you hear or see some of these gifts in operation and, and you're kind of like, um, I, don't, I don't know if I want that. And maybe for some of you, you're, you don't even know, are they even real? I've seen people maybe fake them, or is this a, is this a real thing? Or, or maybe even for some of you, you wonder, are they even for today? Are they even for today? You know, was that something that, 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 that was for the early church but isn't necessarily for us today? And so what I'd love for us to do, and we've been talking about this, as, this is week three, talking about the Holy Spirit. I need us to just kind of back up a little bit. And, and remember, first and foremost, that we have a good dad. That we have a good father. And any gift that your good father wants to give you is a good gift. And, and you don't need to be scared of it. You don't need to be fearful of it. You don't need to be like, I, I don't know if I necessarily can trust this. If, if we have a good father who wants to give good gifts to his children, then we have nothing to be afraid of. Even if we don't understand it, even if we've never experienced it, even if there's been um, abuses of it, even if there's been weirdness associated with it, if God gives good gifts to his children, then there's something in it for us that he wants us to have. So, so God gives us gifts, right? We, we know that uh, he's given us the gift of eternal life. We read in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So we've been talking about this, right? We, we, we know that, that he gives us the gift of eternal life. That's a good one, amen? That's, that's, that's a keeper. That's one you want to believe in. That's one that you want to, you know, make sure, okay, this is, this, this is good. We've also been talking over the past three weeks now that God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says, Jesus was talking to his disciples. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's the gift of, of heaven, of eternal life. There's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we also find that we're given spiritual gifts, right? And, and we're comfortable, most of us, I, I can't speak for all of us, right? But we're mostly comfortable with some of the spiritual gifts. You know, like somebody says, well, like, uh, well, I have the gift of hospitality, right? Nobody's like, well, you're a freak. Settle down there, you know? You know, Pentecostal, my gosh, right? All right, you know, you've got the gift of teaching. Oh, you're a holy roller? Oh, okay, I see how it is, right? Like, you know, if somebody says, well, I've got the gift of administration. Wow, you're a freak. I don't know if we can be friends. Like, you know, we don't, so some of these spiritual gifts that are listed in the Bible, we're okay with. We're okay with mercy. We're okay with the gift of giving, right? Or at least the gift of getting, right? We're okay with the, with the gift of, of, of pastoring, mentoring. Like, we're, we're okay with, with most of these. But then, 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 there are these other charismatic gifts in the Bible. And, uh, and we don't know quite what to do with them. We, we're okay with, with some of them, but... The other ones, well, they're, they're a list all to, them, all to themselves. And so I'd love for us to get into the Word of God this morning. And, and like we do every single week, 
I'd love you to do two things. One, if you'd stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. Go ahead. And number two, if we could just say, you know what, Jesus, I pray that if there's any area of my thinking, things that I've experienced, my, my conceptions of how you operate and how you want to work that are different from the way you want me to understand you, then, then I, I surrender myself to your word. And I ask God that you would you change my heart, change my mind, transform me by renewing my mind today. Um, whenever we come to the word of God, I hope and pray that you put that on the table. God, change my mind. Change my heart. I'm willing to submit my thoughts, my experiences, my past, my present, and my future to you. Amen? All right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. If you've got your Bible, version app, um, you can pull that up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 1 through 11 today, and we're going to kind of hunt through those and dig that out and, and talk about some of this stuff. And um, I hope that it, it gives some understanding and explanation to you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It starts out with this, and I think a very significant verse. It says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, before we go on to verse 2, I just want you to understand this. This is, this is really the heart behind the sermon series for me. That, that, that I don't want you to be uninformed or misinformed or even fearful about the person or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That we have, that we have nothing to fear. We have everything to, to kind of uh, journey and to adventure and to understand. He continues in verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by, the, by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Lord God, I, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the explanation that you give us, even if we don't quite know what to do or have yet to experience things. God, I thank you that you go before us, behind us, beside us, above us. Lord, that you guide us and lead us into all truth. We trust that the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that the gift gives, that we would be open, willing to whatever it is that you want to do in our life, that our sail is up, ready for you to fill. Lord, I thank you that you change us, mold us. You don't just uh, forgive us. You, you literally give us new life. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Thank you. So um, let's, let's start out by taking the mystery out of this word charismatic. 
um, the, the word, the Greek word that's used to describe these specific gifts is the word, Greek word, charisma. You, we get the English word, which is in a leap, charisma, right, out of it. Um, it, it literally means this, grace, gift. Spooky, huh? It's real, it's real, real crazy, right? Grace, gift. In other words, it simply means a gift you receive without earning it. A gift you receive without earning it. In other words, uh, these are gifts that literally could not happen without the power of the Holy Spirit operating in and through you. There are some gifts that you can, like, cultivate, right? So you're like, man, I got the gift of hospitality. And so, like, okay, yeah, you can, like, work on that and try to be more hospitable. And you get the gift of mercy. You can try to listen more and, like, you know, actually try to, try to care for people at a deeper level. You can cultivate those things. But, but many of these, when you look at the charismatic gifts, like, it's either, it's either Jesus working through you or not. There, there's no, like, well, I'm, I'm kind of working on my gift of tongues. Like, you know, it, it's, either, it's either it happens or, or not. And so this is, you know, what, when, it, when we're talking about without being able to earn it, it's, it's just, it's a gift that you didn't earn, you didn't try, you're not striving towards. It's just something that, that happens in and through you. And there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of false teaching around the charismatic gifts. There's a teaching that, uh, that some hold to it's called cessationism, and it teaches that the, the charismatic gifts were only for the apostles, so like the first century church, right? That we, and, and the gifts of the Spirit, the, the charismatic gifts of the Spirit, ceased in operation when the last apostle died, and the, uh, the Bible was complete. You know, all of those books were kind of written and compiled and, and all of that. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that it didn't cease with the apostles. Like all throughout history, there have been times where it's been stronger and times where it hasn't been. But when we look at the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, they have always been in operation even after the first century apostles. Now, let me explain this to you. You can go through and read them in, eight, in verses 8 through 10. Miracles still happen. We had a woman get up here today and talk about what, what God is and, and is continuing to do in her body. I've literally, I'd be crazy to say that miracles didn't happen. Like I've literally been praying and, and watched a leg grow in front of my eyes. I, d I don't have a box to put that in. I, I, I'm not hi this hyper spiritual. I'm just saying this is what I saw. This is what I've experienced, right? I've, I've literally prayed over, over people and I felt just through prayer, bones crack and spines go, come into alignment underneath my hand as I'm praying. Like, miracles still happen today. Tonight, we're having a night of hope and healing. Like, I hope you can all come out to it, but, but we're going to be talking about testimonies. We've got all these testimonies lined up of what, of what God is doing in the lives of people that are sitting next to you. God still speaks through prophecy through people, right? They're, all of a sudden, you, you're listening, and, and God's just like, downpouring words of prophecy into your heart, right? He, he's, he's given words of knowledge to me. People have spoken words of knowledge and words of wisdom that have surprised me, blown me away, and affected my life greatly. So, so let's just be real for a second. Um, we want to desperately believe 
that God can and does intervene in our lives. Like we want to desperately believe that miracles still happen, that healing is possible, that, that he still can do things, that he is the way maker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. And we want to desperately believe that God still speaks to us today. Maybe it's like, I don't know if he speaks to, to you, but I want him to speak to, to me. We still want to desperately believe that people can hear from God. So the issue isn't really around all of the charismatic gifts. Because some of them we like. I mean, some of them, we're, we're here depending on them, right? Some of you are literally here this morning because it's your last-ditch effort. And you're like, God, if you don't show up, you don't work a miracle, I don't know what I'm going to do or I'm going to end it all. Some of you are here, and Jesus is the only answer for you today. So, so, so you want to believe that. We, we, we need to believe that. So it's not really about all the charismatic gifts. It's just about mm, some of them. Just the weird ones, the ones I haven't experienced yet. I mean, but the problem is, is that either they're all for today or none of them are. Like, we don't get to pick and choose which ones, you know, are, well, I, I kind of think this one is more useful or less useful. or I, I think this one's for today, but this, this other one, that was only for, for the first century church. And this one is necessary, but, but this one, and this one I'm more comfortable with, but this one I'm not. And so we don't get to kind of pick and choose how the Holy Spirit gives good gifts to people. And so what I want us to do today is just kind of walk down through this, this scripture, just this short scripture that we all stood and read. And I hope I can bring some understanding. I hope I can kind of let, let the air out of the balloon and talk about the elephant in the room, bring a little bit of normalization to something that can be weird and cause a whole lot of people maybe a little bit of anxiety or worry or fear in their lives. So that's verse four. This is what it says. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it's the same God at work. And so I want you to just capture this. Like we talked last week about the power of Pentecost. And, and God says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And I want us to, I want us to get this, that, that spiritual gifts are what that power looks like. So, so kind of when we say, like, God, I want the power of Pentecost. I want that. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I just want you to understand the way that that plays out in the life of a believer is through spiritual gifts. The charismatic ones and the other ones. Like, God gives gifts to people. There are different kinds, but the same spirit that, that dispenses them. So spiritual gifts are what that power looks like. And so he gives us, uh, empowers us to do things that we could never do on our, on our own. Because if you could do it on your own, you don't need a spiritual gift to do it. You could just, you just do it. It's a talent. You could work at it. But a gift is different. It's something that's given. And so when we pick or we choose or we deem some worthy and some unworthy, essentially what we're saying is, God, I want, I want the power of Pentecost, but I want it on my own terms. God, I want the more of you, but only, only this more and this part that's more. I don't want anything and everything that you might want to be giving me. 
And so what ends up happening is we put God into a box that we're comfortable with. He can work in, some of us have a box like this, and some of us have a box like this, and some, whatever our box looks like, we end up putting God into a box and saying, this is what I'm comfortable with you doing in and through me. Anything outside of that, I just don't know if I ever want that. He continues in verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given, this, I love this verse, is given for the common good. Just, just take a look at this one verse. I love how it says this. It starts out, now to each one. I want you to notice that. Each one. You are each one. You are. You are each one. That's everyone. All, the, all, all believers that have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you are each one. In other words, you are gifted and we need you. If you don't catch anything else uh, out of this message today, I hope that you can grab this. You are gifted, and we need you. You're gifted. You're like, well, I, I, I don't really know. You, you are. You are gifted, and we need you. When we talk about church-like family where everyone has a seat at the table, you are gifted, and, and we desperately need you. And then he says this. I, I love it because he essentially gives us the reason for the gifts of the Spirit. He says that we're, we are given them for the common good. In other words, they are given to us to benefit those around us. That's, that's the whole point, right? So let's use this to kind of give us a working definition of, of spiritual gifts. This is, if you're taking notes, uh, you got an NLC dot today or whatever, this is the kind of a working definition for us is this, a supernatural empowerment given by the Holy Spirit to believers in order to benefit others. That's the simple spiritual gift kind of working definition for us, a, a supernatural empowerment given by the Holy Spirit to believers in order to benefit other people around us. And it is, it is so important that we do not lose focus of why the gifts are given. Because, because when we forget the purpose, that's when it gets weird. That's when you see abuses and misuses and weirdness come out when we fail to remember why the gift is given in the first place. James warns us of this in James chapter 4. I love how he says this in verse 2, verse 2 and 3. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. And here's my point. When, when we fail to remember and to understand the purpose of spiritual gifts, that's when we start to drift. We start to get off track and we start to think, well, well, well maybe they're given to entertain Christians. Maybe, maybe spiritual gifts are given to, to kind of inflate us, to make us feel like we're more mature and create almost a caste system within Christianity. 
As if, as if like, well, I've, I've achieved this spiritual gift that works in and through my life, so therefore I'm either higher, better, or more mature than other people that don't. But let's not forget what that word means, grace gift, gift that is given that you did not earn. You didn't earn it. You didn't do anything for it. You're not holy enough. You didn't, you didn't deserve it. It's a grace gift. So don't ever forget the whole purpose behind why the gifts are given in the first place. And then he continues in verses 8 through 10, and he outlines the nine charismatic gifts. And I'm going to take some time. We're going to go through each one of these. I'm going to, I'm going to just hit on them. I'm going to give you kind of a brief definition, maybe some scripture surrounding it to bring understanding to each one of these spiritual gifts, okay? Um, let's start. The first one is this, the word of wisdom. That's the first one that he mentions, word of wisdom. This is when the Holy Spirit gives us a divine answer to a particular challenge. Catch this. A word of wisdom is when the Holy Spirit gives us a divine answer for a particular challenge. Maybe, maybe you, uh, you, you've experienced this before. Maybe you didn't realize what it was, but you're, you're having a conversation with somebody and, and you're, you're talking, you're giving them advice, and you're, uh, the words are coming out of your mouth. You're like, I'm not that smart. You ever have that? Like all of a sudden, like a, a scripture comes to mind, and you don't, you don't even know that. You didn't memorize that scripture, but all of a sudden you knew that scripture, and you just start sharing something, and you just know, like, this isn't even me. Like, it sounds really deep, and I'm not deep, right? And but the person's like, wow, I really needed that. And you're like, I don't even know what I said. They're like, when you said that, it was absolutely amazing. And you're like, what? Okay. And then other times you're listening, you're in a conversation and somebody's speaking to you and it's like God is speaking a word, a now word into your spirit and they don't even know what they're saying. They're just like, they're, they are speaking to what exactly you needed at that exact time, at that exact moment. God just kind of starts working in, in amazing ways in that. When Pastor Jeff and I were in uh, Russia, there were these uh, few like very wealthy businessmen that that wanted to get Pastor Jeff and Pastor Andre, and I was kind of just tagging along for the ride, right? And uh, they, they wanted to have a quick meeting. It was very impromptu. We meet up in this upper room, and these three very wealthy businessmen were essentially looking for a word of wisdom about a very specific issue, obstacle that they were facing in their business. And as we're sitting there talking, it struck me how many people, how many believers, how many American believers are specifically asking God to guide them and to give them divine answers in their business dealings? Like if you're a business owner, you, you're an employee, you, you, you've, got, you've got some means of gaining wealth, how many of you are literally depending and asking God to give you divine answers for the obstacle that you're facing right now in your business? Like, are you, is that even on your radar? That, that God wants to give you wisdom. Not, not, not because you've worked hard enough and you've listened to enough podcasts and read enough books about leadership, but because God just wants to give you a divine answer for the situation that you're currently in, that you're dealing with in your family, that you're dealing with in a relationship, that you're dealing with in your business. I just want you to understand, this is why the Holy Spirit gives us words of wisdom. 
He wants to speak divine answers into our situation. That's a word for somebody here today. Okay. Number two, um, the word, word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. This is, uh, this is when the Holy Spirit allows you to know something that you didn't learn by natural means. It's like a specific piece of information. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you. I've had it happen to me a few times where I, don't, I literally don't know this person. I have no idea. They're a perfect stranger to me, and God will give me a piece of information to the, that I'm just like, I, I don't even know them, and I, I, yet I do, but it wasn't learned through natural means to share with them and to open up a conversation with them. Jesus operated in this gift all the time. The, one of the specific times that I think about, maybe you're thinking about this as well, is that um, he encountered a Samaritan woman at a well, complete stranger, and, uh, and, and he just starts talking with her, and this is what he says in John chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus told her, go uh, call your husband and come back. She says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband." What you've just said is quite true. Like, whoa. What, what, ju this, what just happened to you? This was a very specific piece of information about a perfect stranger. Jesus just kind of like throws this out. And you may be thinking, well, like, yeah, but that's Jesus. Like, of course he could do that. He's like God, right? Like, he's the, you know, he's connected to the big guy. He is God in the flesh. But here's the, th here's the cool thing about Jesus. When Jesus came and dwelled on this earth, he was fully man and fully God. But part of the beauty that we read in Philippians is that he willingly chose to lay down his divinity and to be a man, to go through the same things that we go through and be led and fully surrendered to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's the beauty of what Jesus did. He didn't just come down as God and be like, yeah, this is pretty easy because I'm pretty much God, right? Like he came down and willingly laid down his divinity to take on humanity, to live the life that we live, being fully surrendered, a man fully surrendered to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus tells his disciples again and again, he's like, look, I only see, I only do what I see the Father doing and I say what I hear the Father saying. That's, that's how he operated. That's how, he, that's how he, he knew where to go next. That's not how he knew who, who to minister to. He, he saw and heard what the Father was saying and doing, and he went and did and saw and said what the Father told him. Fully surrendered. So cool. Number three, the gift of faith. The gift of faith. Uh, this is a supernatural confidence in God for a specific situation. Let me say that again. It is a supernatural confidence in God for a specific situation. This is the gift of faith. And maybe, maybe you've experienced the gift of faith at certain times in your walk, or maybe even right now, like you're going through a very specific, tough, even tragic circumstance, and people look at you and they're like, what is wrong with you? Why are you even here today? Like you're sick. Like, you, do you realize that, like, this is, this, is, this is the situation that you're currently in, but for some reason, hmm, you've got this peace that surpasses understanding. You've got this confidence that God has it. Even in the midst of, like, well, you're going to the doctors tomorrow. Like, do you realize that, that, that things aren't may, maybe necessarily looking the way that you're, you're, you're thinking they might? But you've got this peace. This peace that surpasses understanding. In other words, like, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. 
the gift of faith, the gift of faith. I, I, think, of, I think of Peter in the boat when, when Jesus walks by and they're all freaking out. Oh my gosh, it's a ghost. And he's like, no, it's I, it's Jesus. And, and all of them are freaking out. They're all in the boat. And what does Peter do? He just has this crazy idea. I mean, he's never seen anyone ever walk on water apart from Jesus now walking on the water. And he has this, this idea. I think that if God, if Jesus actually called me to come to him, I could do that. What? Jesus, call me to come out to you. Jesus says, all right, come on, Peter. And he literally takes the first, I can't even imagine what that first step must have been like. Talk about a gift of faith. Man lives on the water, he's a fisherman. Never has the tension, uh, the, the water tension ever sustained his weight. And yet his first step, he takes and he does it. This is what the gift of faith looks like. Even in the midst of, of circumstances that don't measure up, you have a trust of confidence in God in the midst of it. Number four. Uh, number four is healing. This is the gift of healing. This is, a, this is pretty easy. We won't spend a lot of time on this. This is a supernatural endowment of divine health. This is uh, when you pray for someone and they get healed. You kind of know when that happens, right? Like, uh, God might give you a, a gift maybe for a time or you walk in that gift and somebody prays and all of a sudden you see God move in a supernatural way in healing. Number five is kind of similar but a little bit different and that's the gift of miracles, the gift of working of miracles. Uh, this is a, uh, a divine intervention that alters circumstances. Let me say that again. It is a divine intervention that alters circumstances. This is when someone prays, kind of like the, the, the story of the check, in, the check that comes in the mail or, or, or as soon as you give, all of a sudden somebody else gives and you've been given more than you gave 10 minutes before that. This is when you, you've been trying to get pregnant and somebody prays for you and lo and behold, it's been years that you've been trying and you become pregnant that week, right? This is when God just all of a sudden alters your circumstances. Maybe you don't need healing. Maybe you need a creative miracle, right? Maybe for some of you, like, I, 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 need, to, I need God to work a miracle in my marriage. I need God to, to, to do something that, that is only wrought by miracles. The gift of working of miracles. Number six. Number six is prophecy. Prophecy. The gift of prophecy. Uh, many times when we hear the, the word like prophecy, we can think of like end time stuff or like foretelling the future. Like that, that's kind of like what prophecy is. It's certainly not always the case. Many times not the case. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 31 says this, For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Prophecy, if we're going to come up with kind of a definition for it, is this. It's a message of encouragement from God delivered through a person. Maybe that's a scripture. Maybe that's just a, a, a word of encouragement that, that just comes through where God just starts speaking to you, delivered through you. But it's a message from God delivered through a person. And I can tell you that prophecy is not just for preachers. It's not just for people that have microphones on a stage. We wouldn't be encouraged even in this scripture to desire prophecy if it weren't for, if it was just reserved for a few people, right? 
He says, you know, you should eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Especially prophecy. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14.1. Follow the way of love. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. That God would speak through you. Number seven. This is the discerning of spirits. The gift of discerning of spirits. This is when... um, when the Holy Spirit makes a believer aware of a demonic spirit. Kind of, we're going to come up with a definition. When the, when the Holy Spirit makes a believer aware of a demonic spirit. I think of, um, of Acts chapter 16, where, where the Apostle Paul was being, they were going around and preaching, and there was this like weird little slave girl who was a fortune teller who was following them along, and she was like, being really annoying and she was she was yelling out the bible says for days in acts chapter 16 verse 18 she's she's literally shouting out i think it's actually verse 17 she says these men are servants of the most high god who are telling you the way to be saved she kept saying it over and over again they're they're trying to talk and minister to someone and she's like these men are servants of the most high god who are telling you the way to be saved and she's like would you just would you shut up like seriously she just for days kept yelling this. Right word, wrong spirit. Right word, wrong spirit. And then in verse 18, I love this because it, it gives me hope because I, 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 I can feel, I, I mean, Paul has a little more patience than I do. He says, finally, Paul became so annoyed. Like days he put up with this. I'd probably put it up with a couple hours. He put up for days. He came so annoyed that he turned around and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Like, he speaks to the spirit. The gift of the discerning of spirits was at work in Paul at that moment. And this is not actually the gift of discernment. Well, that, that I hear a lot, of, a lot of people say, well, I've got the gift of discernment. That's actually not mentioned in the Bible. It's called the gift of discerning of spirits. And here's what I would say. A lot of times, and I mean this in love, but I mean this in, in correction of, of just the church worldwide, is that Many times people think that they have the gift of discernment, but they just have a knack for criticism. Oh, my, my discernment's all up, right? Okay. I understand that. The Lord has given me, you know, many times the gift of discerning of spirits. But we should always make sure and be aware that we're not leaning into judging other people, thinking that it is a gift of God rather than a flaw of our flesh. (laughs) Wave your hanky. Thank you. I see that hanky. Here's the thing. When it comes specifically to any of these gifts, but specifically this one, it is so important for us to remember that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts in order to benefit others. Not to criticize others. The end goal of any of these gifts of the Spirit, the end goal of God is always 
freedom. And so when we choose to sit back in judgment and criticism and, I don't know, I just got goosebumps around them. Are we operating in a gift of the Spirit that's end goal is freedom for that person? Or are we sitting back in judgment on them? When that starts working in you, you should be asking God, God, what are you wanting me to do about this? How are you, why, why are you revealing this to me and what is it that you're wanting me to do in this situation? This is the gift of discerning of spirits. All right, we'll move on. Number eight, this is the good one. Speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. Uh, the gift of tongues is essentially this, if we're going to give a definition, is this. It's a message from God in a language that is unknown to the person that's giving it. Okay? It is a message from God in, in a language that is unknown to the person whom it is coming through. Essentially what, what the gift of tongues is. And I would just encourage you this. I don't have a lot of time to spend on this today, but I would encourage you, if you've got some concerns, worries, outrages, um, I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 14 in its entirety, in its entirety, down to the last verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 in its entirety. And realize, okay, this is, this is in the Bible. In fact, it's an entire chapter of the Bible right after the favorite you know, chapter that's all about love and, and uh, we read it every single wedding. Like the very next chapter is an entire chapter devoted to the gifts of the Spirit, specifically giving instruction around speaking in tongues. So I don't have time to go into this, but um, it's important to draw a distinction between the gift of tongues and a personal prayer language that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. There, there's two different things. Um, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 18, I want to read this to you. He says this, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. <clears throat> but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. So, capture this. Paul affirms that he speaks in tongues more than any of you. So if you're all like, man, I don't know, I speak in tongues a lot, he beats you. He wins. He's the, he's the fastest tongue talker around. He, he speaks in tongues more than any of you. So if you're kind of like, man, I don't know, I did it once. He's like, I do it all the time. This is so significant and very, obviously very important to Paul. I mean, I mean you, can't, you, you really can't walk away from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18 and be like, ah, I just don't think it's for today. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's kind of this add-on for weird people. He's like, I speak in tongues more than, more than any of you, but, I love how he says this, but... He's not going to be grabbing a microphone and just start Shonda Hayen. He's not going to sit up there with a microphone and just start blabbing in tongues all service long. Just kind of, well, I just wanted to get this out. And so he just starts, you know, talking in tongues. Why? Why would he not do that? Why? Because you don't understand what he's saying. What would be the point? I'm literally going to get up here and I'm going to just start speaking in tongues. It's unfruitful for every single one of you, including me. Like, I, I, don't know, I don't know what the message is that, 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 that is coming out. And not only that, he says, if there's new people that, are, that come into church, they're going to think you're crazy. His words, not mine. It's literally what he says. You're going to think you're out of your mind. 
Uh-huh. Which brings us to the last charismatic gift. Number nine. That is the interpretation of tongues. This is that redemption when it comes to public, you know, gift of tongues. This is the redemption. This is when you are given understanding of the thought or intent of a message in tongues. So that's what the, the gift of the interpretation of tongues is that when you are given understanding of the thought or intent of a message in tongues. And if you've ever experienced this before, I I've experienced this before where like you got somebody that comes up and they're like literally like speaking in tongues for like a minute and then the other person just says, God wants you to know that he loves you. Yeah. And you're like, that wasn't word for word translation, buddy. Like, you're missing something here because she was going on for a minute. And sometimes it's the other way around. The person will be like, Shonda, hey, Shonda, hey. And then the person that has the interpretation speaks for two minutes. And you're like, yeah, something's, something's not. That's why I'm saying it's not always a scenario like a, a direct translation. It is, a, it, it is understanding of the thought or intent of the message in tongues. Well, let me, let me give you some, some, some scripture here to validate this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5. You think, well, we just read this. No, it's, it's actually a different scripture in the same chapter. He said, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. We just pause there for a second. I mean, you can read it yourself. That's in your Bible as, as much as it is in my Bible. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Okay. And then he continues. He says, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Pause here for a second. I've heard people quote this as like a way to kind of diminish the gift of tongues. Like, well, you, you know, I mean, you can read it right here. I mean, Paul's pretty much saying that like the gift of tongues is like, pfft. You should prophesy because that's the only thing that's worth anything. And he's, he's just kind of like poo-pooing this whole gift of tongues thing. I mean, you can read it right there in, in 1 Corinthians 14, you know, verse 5. And then, it, but let's finish the verse. He says, but. He says, unless, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. In other words, and I want you to get, capture this, because if we're going to look at this scripture and take it in its entirety, in other words, he's saying, if there is an interpretation to the tongue, then it is the same as prophecy. So I'd rather have you prophesy, because, I mean, if you're just going to be doing some gobbledygook and nobody understands what you're saying, like, look, just, just pray for prophecy. But if there's an interpretation, well, okay then then it's on the same level as a word of prophecy. Paul concludes this thought in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, this last verse that we read. He says this, all these are the work of the one and same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. I want to leave you with three things today. Um, a word of just kind of challenge and exhortation when it comes to not just the gift of the Holy Spirit, but the giftings that come through the gift of the Holy Spirit. The first thing I want to say is this. Eagerly desire them. Eagerly desire them. 
First, we read it in the very first verse of 1 Corinthians 14. It says, follow the way of love. Right after it gets done with the whole love chapter in and, and, and chapter 13, the very next verse, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Here's what I want to challenge you today. Every single one of us in here is this. There is a responsibility that you have as a follower of Jesus to actively pursue the gifts of the Spirit. There's a mandate here. Just as, as much as it is the, the love chapter is a mandate for us to, to love and what it looks like and what it doesn't look like, he says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Like we, have a, we have a challenge that's set before us as followers of Jesus to actively pursue and to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. And so you say, like, well, I, I don't know. Like, I, God's never given me any of these spiritual gifts. Like, well, have you eagerly desired for him to? Well, no, I'm kind of scared of them. <laughs> I, mean, I just, <laughs> I mean, they're kind of freaky. He tells us to eagerly desire. H have you created space for him to fill? Have you ever put yourself in a place where you had to depend on him to come through? But God, I'm, I, I, I'm willing and maybe you look at this list, like we just went through all nine of them. Maybe you look at this list and you're like, oh, all right, gift of healing. I don't have that because, man, I'm, I'm 0 for 10, you know? Like I, uh, and I don't want to pray for people because what if they don't get healed? That's really awkward, right? I'm like, I pray the prayer of faith and for healing over them. And I'm like, anything changed? They're like, no. And I'm like, next, right? And they just kind of move on. It's, it's awkward. And what if they don't get healed? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put myself in, the, in that place or that position. Or you look at it, you're like, the gift of prophecy. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how to, if I was even doing that, I don't, I don't have that. Or you look at the formidable one, gift of tongues. Like, well, that's embarrassing and seems really silly. I don't even want that one. I'm, I'm kind of holding out saying, maybe that's not for today, right? Like, what if God is simply calling us to be open. Just willing. Just say, God, I'm, I'm willing to allow you to fill me. Not on my own terms, but on your terms as the Spirit wills. What, what, if, what, if, what if he's just calling us to say, God, I'm, I trust you that you are a good father and that you want to give good gifts that, 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 that are for my good and the benefit of others? So I'm choosing to, to eagerly desire the gift of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit wants to operate in my life as you choose, not as I choose. I, I, I'm running after you, God. Use me. God, use me. Number two is this. Fan into flame the gift of God Fan into flame the gift that God has given you. Second Timothy chapter 1 says this. I love this in verse 6. For this reason, I, can, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I still remember the first time that I heard the voice of God. And it wasn't like an audible voice. He wasn't like, Justin. It wasn't like that. It was just like this, you know, if you've ever had God speak to you, like it's just this kind of knowing in your knower where you're like, that was weird. Um, I, was, I was probably saved for like two months. And every, every night before I went to bed, I would fall asleep saying this very simple prayer because I didn't know what else to pray. Um, 
And it was simple to was just say, God, use me. God, use me, Lord. Use me. Use me. God, I pray that you just use me. I just wanted to be used by him. And, and one night I was, I was praying this prayer, and all of a sudden I, I heard the voice of God speak to my heart, and it just said this, use me. First I was like, excuse me? <laughs> uh, what, 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 in the world, what in the world does that mean? And I started to get this understanding, and it was this, that, that, that you have been given, that I have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Am I using it? God, use me, use me, use me. And he says, I've given you a gift. Are you using it? Are you applying it? Are you even walking in any sort of expectation that I want to intervene, that I want to supernaturally intervene in the situations that you find yourself in? This is just, I want you to use me. I want you to, are you fanning into flame the gift of God in your life? Are you fanning that into flame? And what I want to say to you is this, if you want God to start using you, then start fanning into flame what he has already made available to you. Fan into flame. So not only eagerly desire, but say, God, I pray that you would, I, I have this small ember. I know you've worked in me in this, in this before. God, I, I want to trust you again. Put me in situations where I have to depend on you again. Fan that into flame. You are gifted and we need you. You are gifted. You are gifted and we need you. No, not me. No, yes, you. You're gifted. And the body of Christ needs you. The third point is this. Realize that the Holy Spirit could work through you in any way that he chooses. <laughs> First Peter 4.10 says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In its various forms. In other words, the Holy Spirit empowers you to bring God into every situation that you encounter. Think about that. Like, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit living, dwelling on the inside of you. And God gives us the opportunity and the ability and he empowers us to bring him into every situation that you find yourself in. And I think of in Acts chapter 3, there's this story where um, it's, it's uh, Peter and he's going up to the temple to pray and there's a lame man begging at the gate of beautiful. You've maybe read this before. If not, you should read it. It's a really cool story. Acts chapter 3. And the guy's, you know, begging, alms for the poor. You know, he's begging and he's lame and he can't walk. And so everyone's walking by him and, and Peter goes up to him. And, and here's what he doesn't do. He doesn't take out his scantron sheet of his spiritual gift inventory and say, okay, I don't have the gift of giving, so, sorry, bud. Um, and I don't have the gift of healing. I have the gift of hospitality, so be well, right? Like, uh, I have the gift of mercy, right? Like, you know, he, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't say, look, dude, I, I'd love to help you, but like, I just don't, I don't have any of those. I mean, I, I mean I'm really weak in, in mercy, and I'm, I'm really high in hospitality, but like, I don't have what you need, so I'm sorry, I'm just, 
Wish I could help. It's not what happens. Peter looks straight at the guy's eyes. Literally, in Acts chapter 3, verse 6, he says, silver or gold I do not have. In other words, I got no money for you. But what I do have, I give you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. The guy gets up and is healed. I want you to realize that the Holy Spirit works through you in any way that he chooses to. As I was going through these, this whole list this week, I was realizing, like, God has allowed me to operate in every single one of these gifts at different times in my life. I was, a couple of them, I was a little stretched. No, he has. Every single one of these. Now, now some of them have been like one specific instance in my life that he's, he's allowed me to, to, to work in, these, in that gifting. And some of them I operate in on a regular basis. Here's my point. The Spirit owns all the gifts all the time. And he distributes them as he wills. So if you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, Yes, you may have specific giftings that you walk in on a regular basis, but know that he wants you to bring him into every situation that you encounter. Why? Because you're bringing all the gifts in. God wants to, to bring freedom to every person that you walk into. And I think that sometimes we are the greatest limiters to the Holy Spirit moving in us. Because simply we're not open to the possibility that the more of God means that he has more for us. And so we limit him. As a leader, as a Christian leader, I, I watch it all the time. I can't stand it when, when believers pigeonhole themselves. They say, well, well, you know, I got the gift of hospitality. Don't ask me to pray over somebody. <laughs> Just, no. I, I got the gift of mercy. Don't ask, don't ask me to give the tongues. No, stay away. No, I, I, this is, I, took a, I took a test. The test is very clear. I, I took a picture of it, and let me show you. This is who I am, and this is who I'm not. So don't ask me to do something outside of my gifting. Right? We get all, like, hot and bothered about this, right? Like, this is a big deal, right? Somebody says, will you, will you get up and, and, and share something? No, that's not my gift. I hear it all the time. Every single one of my staff, I'm always pushing them to like go outside of, of their gifting that they're comfortable in and to choose to trust God as they step out on the water to walk. Like just decide, you know what, God, I trust you. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm trusting in you. That's who I'm, that's who I'm going after. But what if every single one of us, what if every single one of us was simply called to seek after God using us in any way that he chooses. What would that look like in your life? Dream of that. What would that look like in our church? What would it look like in our community, in your marriage? What would that look like in your family? What could that look like if we chose to say, God, I want, I want, I want you to use me in any way you choose. I'm open to that. Why don't you stand with me? I want to encourage you to um, come on out tonight to our night of hope and healing. Um, it's a night of worship. We're going to have worship, and we're going to have testimonies. We've got a whole bunch of testimonies lined up. And let me tell you, these, these testimonies, 
because I've, I've already, I've, we already have one of them I, on video. I watched it uh, this past week. These are not testimonies where the senior pastor prayed for people and then they got healed. <laughs> Can I just tell you how much I love that? I love that God is working everywhere in here and he's using people like you. Like you? Yeah, even you. Well, I'm imperfect. Yeah, we all know. <laughs> like he uses flawed people like you every day of the week to bring him into situations where people need, desperately need a divine intervention. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that good news? I mean, he uses you. That's a stretch. He uses you. And many of them are stories where, where people just chose to say, you know what, I, I don't know what, what, what God's up to, but I'm just choosing to trust him that he's in this, this word of knowledge, that he's in this word of prophecy, that he's in this, this gift of healing. I've never prayed for someone, but I just feel like God's leading me to do this, and I'm choosing to trust him that he is who he says that he is and that he will do what he says he'll do. What would it look like if the church of Jesus Christ truly believed that, how would that change the way that we operate, the way that we walk, the way that we interact, the way that we go to work, the way that we, the way that we parent? If we choose to say, God, I trust that you are who you say that you are and that you'll do the, what you say that you'll do, and you want to use me and fill me, I trust you. I make space for you to fill my life, God. I just want to encourage you to do three things. One, be open, be willing, and ask by faith for God to move through you. Be open. Refuse to be like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm scared of the Holy Spirit. I'm scared that, of what you might want to do in my life. I, God, you are a good father, and I trust you. If I can trust you to save me, if I can trust you to give me eternal life, then I trust you now. I trust you in this. And be willing to maybe say, you know what, God, I'm being willing. I'm going to put up my sail, and I'm going to ask that you would fill it. I don't really know what that looks like. It may, it may be scary because you're going to pull me in directions and pull me into situations and pull me to do things and say things that I necessarily wouldn't do on my own. But God, I desperately need something that is not of me because all of me is a whole little. I need a lot of you. I need more of you in my life. And ask by faith, God, okay, I'm going to eagerly desire this. I don't know what that looks like. I, I have no frame of reference for it. I, I've actually looked at people and said word, word curses over them because of the weirdness that they've operated in. But God, I choose that if this is of you, then I want it in my life. I de obviously, why would I not? You're a good dad. You're a good dad. So as we close this last song, I just want to encourage you. I'm not going to ask anyone to come out of their seats. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. It, it, wherever you're at, in a posture of surrender, as we worship today, I wonder if, if you would take a giant leap, really a small step, of saying, God, I, I'm open, I'm willing, and I ask by faith that you would fill me so that I can operate and do things that I've, I've never had, I, I could never do on my own for the benefit of others, for the benefit of others around me. Jesus, we trust you.